taking their own life. And the statement from the interim deputy chief, Chris Rosman. Well, I mean, this is a, a as rough of a situation as he's ever going to deal with. Good morning. Um, Deputy Chief Chris Rosman with the Michigan State University Police and Public Safety. As you can tell, this has been a long night for a lot of us. Uh, we have been committed from the beginning to being as transparent and getting as much information out as, po as possible. And we're going to continue to do that throughout the day and as this investigation moves forward. I'm going to start with a brief recap of the incident yesterday. This tragic situation unfolded shortly before 8.30 p.m. Uh, the first call that we received was from Berkey Hall. Berkey Hall is an academic building on our northern campus that borders downtown East Lansing. Initial calls reported shots fired in that building and there was a absolutely overwhelming police response to that initial call. We had officers in that building within minutes and in that building they encountered several students who were injured. We can confirm that two of the deceased were in Berkey Hall along with several of the victims. While the officers were managing that scene at Berkey Hall, we began receiving additional reports of another shooting at the MSU Union Building, just to the west of Berkey Hall, right on the corner of Abbott and Grand River. Officers redeployed to that location where we did locate one additional victim We do have three total deceased and five uh, victims at the hospital. We can confirm that all three deceased were MSU students. They've also confirmed that the five injured were also Michigan State University uh, students. Uh, I, I share the story just as, as a matter of update and remind people that there are going to be further updates that could contradict this one. As more information comes out, as more information becomes available, as investigations get made clear, you, you things change. Do not be surprised if things change in this story. Of course, you have uh, the governor, Gretchen Whitmer, who will tell you that this is all due to gun violence. Meanwhile, we have somebody with a U-Haul who is running people over in New York City, one person dead. No one discusses car violence. Again, a, a lack, a total failure of leadership in the unwillingness to recognize that what we have to dig into is the underpinnings. If we wanted to, to engage the idea of cause, of causes of, for example, Illegal immigration, that's different than what you do about the border. These are different things. But don't tell me that Kamala Harris, the vice president, is looking at the underpinnings. That's not the case. 
That is not true. Not at all, not in the slightest, and not in any way. We're not looking at at the underpinnings. And that's part of our problem. But leave it to Governor Whitmer to not get the message. President Biden and I spoke last night. He pledged his support and the thoughts of an entire nation. And we will work together to do what is necessary to help MSU community heal. We're all broken by an all too familiar feeling. Another place that is supposed to be about community and togetherness shattered by bullets and bloodshed. We know this is a uniquely American problem. Today is the fifth anniversary of the Parkland shooting. We're mere weeks past the Lunar New Year shooting at a dance hall and a few months past a shooting at an elementary school in Uvalde. And looking back at a year marked by shootings at grocery stores, parades, and so many other ordinary, everyday situations, we cannot keep living like this. Our children are scared to go to school. People feel unsafe in their houses of worship or local stores. Too many of us scan rooms for exits when we enter them. And many of us have gone through the grim exercise of figuring out who our last call would be to. The parade in Wisconsin was a driver who was out to kill white people. Why do people do what they do is a great question. What are the underpinnings that lead people to think the only way to solve their problem is to shoot people they don't know? Because one could rationally rationalize the idea that someone would shoot somebody they do. I am not condoning such a thing. But if we were having a conversation on a bar stool, you would say, well, that guy did you wrong, and so therefore you got revenge on that guy. I don't think you should be getting revenge on people. Certainly not like that. But okay, because that was the guy who did you wrong. It is the idea that you would take it out on people who did nothing to you and you know nothing about. This is wholly and completely new. Something else that is completely new. We no longer can state, having looked at a series of these things, that people who look like X or carry X characteristic do these kinds of crimes, while people who have this kind of characteristic do Y kind of crimes. I have argued on this show that the vast amount of mass shootings are white male, and the vast amount of shootings on the streets are black males. I don't know if that's true anymore. This shooting at, at, at Michigan State, the suspect, identified as a black male. The uh, murders in, in Wisconsin, black male. The person who ran over everybody in the parade. And that is not a, a conversation about, well, clearly race is the issue. I don't believe that's it at all. There are plenty of people who are white who are involved in absolutely horrific events and horrific crimes and multiple murders. The question before us is why? And since we could take a look at what happened with the U-Haul and that involves a truck just yesterday in New York City, the parade that I am discussing in Wisconsin, never mind the violence that takes place in other parts of the world where you had uh, somebody running people over in, in Nice, you had uh, the, what was the Berlin Christmas market, 
stabbings that happen almost to a regularity in places like the United Kingdom, so much so that they try to keep knives off the streets. What are the underpinnings? What moves people to this? The idea that we have to act, as Governor Whitmer puts it, act upon what? Nothing is going to make me say this was horrible. So therefore, we take away the rights of law-abiding citizens. Absolutely, positively, nothing. You have Representative uh, Slotkin of Michigan of Oxford, Michigan, I cannot believe that I am here again doing this 15 months later. And I am filled with rage that we have to have another press conference to talk about our children being killed in their schools. And I would say that you either care about protecting kids or you don't. You either care about having an open, honest conversation about what is going on in our society or you don't. But please don't tell me you care about the safety of children if you're not willing to have a conversation about keeping them safe in a place that should be a sanctuary. I want to keep kids safe. Now what? Do I also have to agree with you about the eradication of the Second Amendment to prove it? Because you're wrong, Congresswoman. You want me to tell you that in Michigan, on the Michigan State campus? Because I will. Because your exact words were, you can either care about having an open, honest conversation about what's going on in our society, or you don't. You either care about having an open, honest conversation about what's going on in our society, or you don't. I care exactly about that. I'm having it now. What leads somebody to decide to shoot up a school where it was kind of clear they're not a student? Suspect is in their 40s, I believe. He had a firearm. You're absolutely correct. So do millions of people across Michigan. They're not shooting up the school. So why don't we discuss what leads somebody to the action? Because your argument is that person commits the action, therefore these people lose their rights. And the answer is no. Because that's not an answer. That is a punishment for those people who did nothing wrong as opposed to a determination and understanding of what leads people to these actions and then trying to work on that to lessen the actions because we cannot eradicate them. You cannot eradicate evil. The only way you can claim to eradicate evil is to act like a despot. I alone can solve this with absolute power. And somehow you think that that is magnanimous as opposed to what it is, which is totalitarian and evil. The only way we can be protected from ourselves is if you tell us what is and isn't okay and acceptable. This is your argument, Representative Slotkin. This is your argument. You dictate to us what is and isn't okay. You dictate to us our feelings. You either care about this or you are part of the problem. You either want to do this or you're part of the problem. That isn't the way it works. And may I say, how dare you? You're filled with rage? Get in line. 
Or maybe, just maybe the correct answer is, of course you're filled with rage, Representative. As a matter of fact, I would find it odd if you weren't. Of course you're filled with rage. But you're not alone. You're, you're not the only one. I don't want kids dying in colleges. I don't want them dying in their, in, in their middle school or, or their high school. I don't want them being run over on the streets of New York or of Nice or of anywhere else. Or run over the streets of, of, of Wisconsin. I don't want people shot to death randomly in my beloved Indianapolis or stabbed to death. I don't want any of it. But the reason I carry a firearm on my hip as I am right now while I do this show is so if something bad is happening, does happen, I have the best chance possible to protect myself and the ones I love. The reason my now 85-year-old father, who never dreamed he'd make it to 85, carries his firearm on his hip is because he needs oxygen. Because his legs don't work like they used to. Because he can't throw a punch anymore. And if you want to know the truth, it drives him crazy. He feels awful about it. He feels weak. He feels small. He's not. He is none of those things. But I can't convince him of this. He feels it. He questions every day how can he possibly protect his 75-year-old wife whose own health isn't what it used to be. But as he states, that trigger finger of mine still works pretty good. So his ability to carry a firearm is what gives him the opportunity of protection to equalize the force coming at him. Is your argument, Representative, that my father should live in fear? The fear that you're describing, that Governor Whitmer is describing, should he live in that fear too? Is the answer to that you take away his firearm? My God, what humanity do you claim to have? And you say to me, well, the problem is that people can be going at him with a gun. People can be going at him with a lot of things. Have we not seen people knocked cold in New York? Have we not seen people carjacked uh, across the country? None of that involving a gun or very little of it involving a gun as much as involving pure acts of violence. Shouldn't he have a chance? Shouldn't he have a chance? My answer is yes. My answer is yes, and I'd be very angry. Filled with rage, I believe your words were, Representative Slotkin. If someone wanted to take that away from my father. The real question is, why are people trying to rob him? Why are people trying to carjack him? Why would anybody want to attack him or anybody like him? And why is someone shooting up a school? The underpinnings are the story. And until we get some elected representatives in Michigan and the rest of the country that understand this, we won't get anywhere. I'm Tony Katz.
So there's a story out today. Research suggests CDC claims of mask effectiveness may have been exaggerated. No crap. Exaggerated, you say. Tell me more. Well, it has to do with the fact that as we have been discussing here, for the last two years, masks have little to no effect and make little to no difference in preventing the spread of COVID. We know the University of Waterloo study about masks and uh, and openings and you have a, a three millimeter opening in your mask and you bring efficacy down to 0.3%. We read that study two years ago and there has been literally nothing on the subject that's come out and certainly nothing to actually refute that. Masks stop something, obviously, but they don't stop COVID. So now they've looked into the masks and they have found that wearing a mask may make little to no difference in how many people caught a flu-like illness or COVID-like illness. Nine studies involving 276,000 people and probably makes little or no difference in how many people have flu or COVID confirmed by laboratory test, which was six studies with over 13,000 people in it. You wore a mask for nothing. Your kids wore a mask for nothing. Their education was stunted. Their isolation grew. And people did it cheerfully and told you if you didn't do it, you weren't an American. You were a terrorist and you were going to kill their grandmother. Holy hell. We kept loved ones apart while they died. A lot of people deserve to go straight to hell for what happened during COVID. But I want it stated for the the record, we knew it, we saw it, we said it, and it's not because we were smarter. It's not because we were smarter. It's because we were more honest. We weren't interested in the ideological play in any which direction. We were interested in the data and what it told us. And to all the people, and this happened, you know, when I said about uh, government shutdowns, I can't, I said, you can't shut down society to save society. And people told me Tony Katz is going to get people killed. I want to make sure I'm clear about this for Indianapolis and anybody else who said it across the country. Go to hell. You lying, no good scumbag son of a you know what's. I would say more, but it still is radio. You lied. You are willing to impugn people's character for your ideology. Your ideology is trash. Meanwhile, inflation is on the way up. We've got that story next. Six point four percent. That's the CPI. It's called the Consumer Price Index, people. What does it mean to you and me? Inflation hasn't gone anywhere. I mean, you take a look just at the the quick look. 
I was told that everything was getting better. I was told by Joe Biden, he's the president of the United States, in case you were wondering, at the State of the Union, that the, 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 the country is strong, the economy is strong, everything's great, everything's wonderful. Um, I was also told by the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, that we're going to reach that target inflation rate of 2% in 2024 because we're going to see real movement in 2023. This is not the way that starts. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Dr. Matt Will joins us right now, economist at the University of Indianapolis, Dr. Matt Will, W-I-L-L, Dr. Matt Will. On Twitter is where you you find him. Um, You take a look at the consumer price index rising half a percent in January. That's an annual gain of 6.4%. It beat uh, the estimates both in the month and in the annual. Uh, Your quick take. Well, Tony, first of all, I want to say I am consistent. The the listeners should remember, I multiply it by 12. I don't look at this uh, year-over-year thing. And last month, we said it was a good month. We said it was very good. It was 0.1 times 12 is 1.2% in December. Tony, we went from 1.2% in December to 6% in January. That is a 500% increase in the rate of inflation. This is bad. This is the worst monthly inflation rate, Tony, since last summer. The worst monthly inflation rate. You know, people say year over year. I don't care about year over year. We were in a good trajectory. We've now reversed direction, and we're heading back up the inflation slope, and the market reacted accordingly. We can talk about the yield curve and interest rates. The market did not like what they saw. So when we take a look at some of the numbers, because I was able to get over there to BLS.gov and take a look, food from December to January, 0.4 to 0.5, which is an unadjusted 12 months, 10.1%. Then you take a look at energy. Energy in the month of December was down 3.1, negative 3.1. And then in January is 2.0. Uh, unadjusted 12 months, 8.7% increase. But break down that negative 3.1 to a 2.0 in January. How should people look at that number and what does it say to you? Tony, this was a shock to me because we've seen this downward trajectory. You know, we saw energy prices declining um, two months in a row negative. You know, the president bragged about the cheaper gas prices. And when I go by, yesterday I paid under $3 a gallon for, for gasoline. Yet all of a sudden, we see energy prices jumping up. And Tony, I think the source of that is your energy to your house. You know, I posted on Twitter this alarming energy bill I got. Even though I was gone 25% of the month in January, I still got over a 50% increase in my bill from last year, this month. So, Tony, I think what we're seeing is this, this gas policy from the administration, which is banning new finding of natural gas, banning new permits for refining this product, and, of course, then the demand in Europe. Hey, lucky we've had a warm winter, Tony. If we would have had a colder winter, like that one snap we had around Christmas, it would have been even worse. And and the Europeans, I mean, this is talked about a lot. They anticipated a tremendous amount of energy issues because they're not getting energy, cheap energy from Russia anymore. That if they had had the cold the cold winter, things could have been just brutal. They didn't have it. That was helpful. But you you talk about what goes to your house. Under energy services, you take a look at utility piped gas service. It was up three and a half in December, 6.7 in January. What specifically makes up that number? And I was told uh, that we were doing better with it with energy prices. Well, I don't know who told you that, Tony, but they were lying to you because 
piped gas is the number one thing that the president signed in his first day of office to ban. That's the number one thing that he put restrictions on, new exploration, new permits being issued. He banned, Tony, banned for two years liquefied natural gas. That's how we get natural gas to Europe, Tony. You have to liquefy it, put it on a ship, and send it over there. And so he, in his executive order alone, has caused that number to go up. And, Tony, it was a warm winter. This number would be much worse, but it's all because of regulation concerning natural gas that caused that number to go up, and the war in Europe isn't helping. Talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. Maybe I was told gas prices were better, not energy prices, but people take a look at that as a, as a total. Speaking of totals, you take a look at CPI, right, or, or, or core uh, CPI, mm-hmm. and that's up 0.4% in January, 5.6% year over year. That's different than when you take a look at the, to- the total, which is up half a percent and up 6.4%. Do me a favor, break down those two numbers and what they mean. Well, Tony, it goes back to what we just talked about. The the thing that's pulling up the total number is the energy cost. And again, not the gasoline at the pump, although that's gone up this month as well. And what we're seeing is that gas, again, piped energy, energy services, fuel oil. Oh, my gosh, Tony. So, you know, that that is luckily the only thing that's been down the last two months. But that's what's causing the the non-core item to go up. The core is still high, too high, Tony. I mean, again, I like to annualize things, and you're talking still 4.8% this month. You know, Tony, this is, where's this inflation that's supposed to be going away? It's still 4.8% core, 6% overall. This month, not last month, not the previous month, this month, Tony, where's, why isn't it going away? And the answer is the battle is being lost by Jerome Powell and won by Joe Biden. So how does Jerome Powell Expect us to believe him. He, he takes to uh, the airwaves, if, if you will, and, and he makes uh, this statement right here. Let me see if I can play this for you. Uh, PCE uh, index, and that's, just, that's not something we're looking at changing. That isn't going to change. It's, that's not going to change. Not going to change, no. But, okay, so you need to get the 2%, and your goal to get there is by what period of time? Would you like to get there? Well, we say, we say that we're using our tools to get there over time. If you look at our forecasts, we expect 2023 to be a year of significant declines in inflation, and it's actually our job to make sure that that's the case. But I would tell you that, uh, you know, with inflation, headline, headline uh, PCE inflation is running about 5%. This is on a 12-month basis. Core is running at 4.4. My guess is it will take certainly into not just this year, but next year to get down close to two percent when i heard him say that the first time it to me sounded outrageously rosy that's jerome powell chairman of the federal reserve that 2024 he expects to get to that two percent target rate but if as you describe it jerome powell is losing to the spending of joe biden biden something has to change certainly the republican party having the house can help but the spending is already out there regarding the Inflation Reduction Act and a series of other things. Is Jerome Powell painting too rosy of a picture here? No, I, I actually agree with what he said, Tony, and I, I hear it differently than you do. He's saying 2024 is when this thing will be under control, and he says they're doing the things now. So if you look at the producer price index, it's down. It's in a much more reasonable range. We saw the ISM PMI report saw that it was actually declining. So producer prices are on the decline. Consumer prices are not yet there. He's staying the course. He's saying, look, it's going to be through this year. He's not saying it's going to happen today or tomorrow. 
So I think he's doing the right thing. This was probably a shock to him. Remember, when he said that, Tony, he had not yet seen this report. So I think that probably Jerome Powell was a little surprised and that he's a little bit alarmed. And that's why we saw the yield curve invert. That's why we saw short-term rates go up. Tony, the six-month rate shot over 5% just a few minutes ago. 5% today. That's a scary thing. And this and this goes into that idea of, of what is known as the inverted yield curve when like like a two-year uh, treasury is paying a higher interest rate than a 10-year, correct? Yes, yes. In fact, the 30-year is at 3.7. The six-month is at 5%. Tony, you can earn more investing for six months than you can for 30 years. That's an embarrassment to the economy because – no one's going to invest long-term. No one's going to build a factory or hire workers or build products if they can just slap it in the bank for six months and make more money. Talking to a Dr. Matt Will, economist at the University of Indianapolis. See, people look at that and think that that's a, a, a Wall Street number. I think that number really needs to be better explained on Midwest Main Street because it has a real functionality in, in your life. You're somebody and yet you haven't figured out what you're going to invest in. You've got cash in the bank. It could be small numbers, could be large numbers. You've got cash in the bank. You're not sure if you're going to put into a stock. You don't trust the market. You're not sure if you can put into your business because exactly what you're discussing and you're not sure of what the future is because this, this government, the federal government, maybe your state government, puts you at unease. And then you take a look at something like six months and 5%. You're like, wait a second, do I lock up my cash? for six months and isn't the answer well it's it's better than doing nothing now this is asking you for 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 investment advice but maybe taken in, in, a, in a bit of a broader context that is the way people look at it right so they they you may yeah. take a look at this five percent and say this shows danger people on midwest main street may be like you know what perfect thing to do for six months and everything will be get figured out by then but tony you are correct and i will give investment advice because it's common sense do you want to lock up your money for 30 years at 3.7% or lock up your money at six months for 5%? Does any rational person think they would invest for 30 years at a lower interest rate? Tony, that, that doesn't, doesn't make sense to anyone. And it's the person on Main Street who's smart enough to make this decision, just like the person who owns a business who's thinking, geez, should I put up a factory with financing and in returns that are lower in the long run than the short term? No. So they're not going to build a factory. They're not going to hire the people, Tony. The economy isn't going to grow. The prospects for recession today, just the probability just went up. And that's where the, the second connection point is, that here's Powell and you agreeing with him about the work to bring uh, inflation down and getting to that 2% number. And, and I guess maybe you believe that it's possible. But between now and then, bad things happen with numbers like this and the unwillingness to recognize them. Uh, was there a specific driver to these increases? When, you know, I, I, it looked to me like Wall Street anticipated some increases, these were larger. Was there a specific reason to these increases and do those reasons disappear going into next month? Tony, they don't disappear. And the reasons are the spending in Washington um, the president has said he's not going to negotiate with the House concerning the debt ceiling, and that means that we're probably going to be on the, the spending path because the Republicans will lose that battle. The Republicans do not have the media machine behind them, and it doesn't matter if the Republicans are in the White House or in the Congress. When there's a negotiation on debt ceiling, they will always lose because they are the out-of-media party. 
And I think that's what's going to happen. The president's going to win. He's going to get his debt ceiling increase. There's going to be no negotiation on the in- decreasing of spending. I mean, he, he lied to the public about Social Security, Tony. If the, if the public and the media said he won that negotiation, what negotiation? I don't know of a Republican who wanted to eliminate Social Security. Is this an, are we living on another planet when people actually believe that and the news reports it? Well, I can't. I can't answer that question for you <laughs> regarding regarding what planet the man may be living on. See, you can't put me on the spot uh, like that. But let me give you something I can put you on the spot for, uh, sir, talking to Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis. This is Fox Business reporting. Biden to sell 26 million barrels more from the Strategic oh. Petroleum Reserve. Uh, for what reason? For political reasons, Tony. I was reading that article this morning. I was reading that article this morning that we have, we, we now have, we now have a surplus of oil, Tony, relative to demand, that is, relative to the demand. Tony, this makes no sense. We've been adding, we're looking to sell 26 million barrels of reserves between April and June, 26 million barrels out of the reserve, yet there is currently, according to the, the analysts on Wall Street and Bloomberg, an, a glut of oil in the economy. Why? In fact, I'm reading right here. It says, you know, oil fell after the close of regular trading on a Bloomberg News report that the U.S. plans to sell more crude out of the SPR, adding supplies to a, quote, already glutted market. Political, Tony, he wants to drive that price of gasoline down. It's all politics. There's, it's bad for national security. It's bad for the economy. We need to build these SPRs back up. Uh, this, Tony, I want to jump off my desk here. It's just driving me well, insane. Let's, let's not uh, do that. We can't have you with a twisted ankle. Before I let you go, any good news? You see anything in this report that makes you say, hmm, well, that could be something. <laughs> Tony, oh, medical care dropped. The cost of your medical care was reduced, and so it's going to be cheaper for you. When I jump off my desk and hurt my ankle, it'll be cheaper to go to the doctor and get it fixed. Use cars, too. Use cars. Yeah, but, but but we were investing in those, Tony. Remember I told you a year ago to invest in used cars? I did. Losing value. You had to remind me of that? What? I'm just I'm, – I'm stating that, look, it's some, some good news. People can afford a car now. I'm That's trying, those sir. Those invested in cars were in trouble. Oh, good Lord. Good Lord. Just looking for one bit of sunshine in all this. Dr. Matt Will, economist, University of Indianapolis, Dr. Matt Will on Twitter. Find him there. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. So China is still going on and on and on about the United States shooting down these objects that are, well, crossing the United States, referring to the U.S. as trigger happy and blah, 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 blah. You imprison Uyghur Muslims and you don't allow people to use the Internet. Shut up. See, that's the way it has to get handled. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Oh, what? It doesn't take any work. They're commies. Screw these people. Commies? I gotta I gotta treat commies with respect? Absolutely positively not. Don't be ridiculous. F these people. Oh, they're the worst. They're the worst. Pinkos? P 
pinkos are the absolute worst, I tell yous. You don't have to treat them well. But they are a squawking. The Foreign Affairs Ministry spokesperson will not confirm nor deny whether China has connections to the multiple UFOs, because that's what they are, right? Unidentified flying objects being downed over North America. They just, they're just going to sit there and, and make a claim. We have made it clear time and again that the entry of the Chinese civilian unmanned airship into U.S. airspace was purely unintended, unexpected, and isolated event caused by force majeure, meaning an act of God, right? And they're not responsible. It was just the weather. Whoop, took it in another direction. But to believe that, you would have to believe that this uh, balloon was civilian. And, of course, no one believes that. It's a lie because you're communists and all communists are liars and should not be treated well. F these people. My gosh, I said it twice. I said it twice. But that you want to sit there and tell us that 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 this is it, like somehow you have some moral authority? It's embarrassing. Have the Colts embarrassed themselves with a new head coach, Shane Steichen? I'm saying that right, right? From the Philadelphia Eagles, the new coach. Of the Indianapolis Colts, JMV uh, from 93.5107.5 The Fan, scheduled to join us, was there for the press conference, listening to the press conference, uh, has a, a breakdown for us and what to expect from Coach Steichen. We'll have it all coming up. This right here is Tony Katz today.